Six foot five to San McCullough, along with four other Sooners back on the goal line. Here we go. Final play of the Red River rivalry. Ewer steps up, launches for the end zone, far side, ball hangs in the air. It is knocked down, and you can unhitch the wagon. Put the ponies in the board. One year after the Sooners are humiliated in Dallas, they punch Bevo right back in the eye. Final score in Dallas, Oklahoma 34 and Texas 30. A game for the ages again in the Red River rivalry. What a game. What a weekend. Welcome in, everybody. It is a Monday right after the Sooners beat Texas in the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. Welcome in. What a weekend it was down for you guys and ladies in Dallas. Unreal. Unbelievable. And we're here to talk about it. I would say that Oklahoma, Texas will take up the two hours of this show today. All two hours. And should. Parker Thune, you were down there, and yeah, yes, uh, I was, it was Steely. real. It was spectacular. Oh, man. Where do you start with this game, Steely? First so many off, places. First off, if this game gets played five years ago, it's instantly the greatest OU Texas game any of us have ever seen. But given the context of the last five years and some of the spectacles that we have seen over that duration of time, you get a classic like this, and I, I just hope that the magnitude – of that moment, of that game, of that effort by Oklahoma isn't diminished because everybody has been numbed to the wonder of such a game after 2020 followed by 2021. And on the heels of 49 to nothing, I think for most folks that's the case. Because, I mean, Toby said it, the Sooners were humiliated a year ago. Utterly humiliated. They came in as underdogs. 81% of the money in Vegas was on Texas in this football game. And yet the Sooners turned in what was an all-around team effort. Like, Dylan Gabriel's the hero, and deservedly so. But there are so many individual players and so many individual plays that you can look back on throughout the course of this game. And point to them and say, without this player or without this play, Oklahoma doesn't come out on top. What is one word to describe how the Sooners won or why the Sooners won? I'm going with clutch because in the moments when they needed to play, and I know a lot of people are talking about the 2000 comparison to the 2000 team. That team, again, when you felt like they needed to play, they needed a big moment when they had lost momentum. Uh, they always found a way to turn the game around and make a play to change the momentum of the game, and they would go win the game, right? Uh, you know, think to Torrance Marshall and College Station, but the Sooners did that. I mean, you can't find anything better than that goal line stand by Oklahoma in terms of toughness right there and being clutch. No give up whatsoever. None on that series. And then to have a minute and 17 seconds left, no timeouts, and Dylan Gabriel is an absolute surgeon on that drive. Absolute surgeon. It was clinical, Steely. And for the first time in his Oklahoma career, there was no ambiguity whatsoever about whose hands the football game was in. It was as simple as Dylan Gabriel is going to march Oklahoma down the field or Oklahoma is going to lose the game. In that moment, with 117 on the clock, Everything that had happened over the first 58 minutes and 43 seconds 
was rendered completely meaningless. That ball game was in the hands of Dylan Gabriel, and it came down to what he was going to do over that 77 seconds in order to cement his legacy in this series. And cement it he did. Heck, he had an extra 15 seconds that he could have used if he wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that moment presents itself, and we're all wondering. We think that Dylan Gabriel's a very improved quarterback. He's clearly the leader on that football team. Everybody loves the kid in the locker room. Uh, There's so much to like about him. He doesn't make every throw, but neither do, do the greatest quarterbacks in football at any level. But we were wondering, can he clutch up? Can he get this done? And he said absolutely, emphatically, yes which was big time. So let's hear from DG on the field again after the game with Holly Rowe. And, uh, man, you'd have to be happy for that kid. Have to. No doubt. And uh, he was the hero. I mean, the, the whole team really, the, it was a collaborative effort from Oklahoma. But Dylan Gabriel, individual hero, he was number one. Dylan, you took the field with a minute 17 to go, a final drive. What did you say to your teammates and to yourself so you could execute on that drive? We do it every Wednesday. We do it every Wednesday. This is what OU football is all about. This is why I came here. This game, a lot of respect for Texas, man. They played their butt off. Quinn's a hell of a cue. I mean, they, they play really well. So it is what it is. At the end of the day, making plays. Nick made a play, so let's do this. You made a great play in the red zone. You had to rise up, jump up to make that throw over the offensive line. What did you see and how did you complete it? Bay called me last night. He told me do whatever it takes. So you know what I'm saying? I, I'm all about OU football. I love this place. This is what college football is all about. Let's go. Unreal. And uh, that man's legacy at Oklahoma changed just like that. Just like that. Yeah, and that's, again, that drive is what was going to define Dylan Gabriel's legacy for a lot of people. Whether that is just or unjust, Dylan Gabriel's legacy, in the eyes of many fans, was immediately going to be defined by what happened on that drive. And at this point, Steely, I mean, Spence and Tulsa said it on the text line, DG and Ethan Downs haters need to stand up and take a lap. And we'll get to Ethan Downs. We'll get to that Oklahoma defense in time. But what is left to knock Dylan Gabriel on at this point? Uh, I mean, what? just if we, if we see a completely different quarterback during the second half of the season, which I do not think is going to happen. And, again, I love this coaching staff for the situation that they're in. What was Ted Roof? Plank was playing the uh, sound clip from Ted Roof. And, you know, Brent and these guys are hammering this home. You know what? Great victory, but there's more to be done. Got to get better. Can't lose our focus. Oklahoma has an opportunity here to run the table. They'll be favored to run the table. They should run the table. But, again, you've got to stay locked in. But just a tremendous victory. And what it shows is that Brent Venable's culture has now locked in at Oklahoma in that locker room because – that was the tough-as-nails football team. As I said, Dylan Gabriel literally left his blood on the field at the Cotton Bowl uh-huh. to win that game. So, Sooner fans, again, I, I think most Sooner fans appreciated him, but they were kind of waiting to see. There were naysayers out there. And, look, he missed a couple throws again. But when it was on the line, it doesn't get any better than what he did in that drive. I mean, the first throw to Stoop sets the tone, right? Gives him some confidence right off the bat. Then they come back, Jalil Farouk. You know, how about Jalil Farouk, by the way? That dude was great. And him standing out there as Texas takes the field, like I tweeted out, it looked like Jon Snow in Game of Thrones, just taking on the horde by himself. Like, come on after me. You know, 
Not my and Gundy had, style, but that, he, he had, had the game of his Oklahoma career, man. Had, Five catches, yeah, 130 he yards. He had a great game. And they needed it with Andrell Anthony sidelined down the stretch. Yes, and uh, we'll talk about what's going on with Andrell Anthony, McCade, Mattire as well. Uh, Gentry Williams, it looks like he's going to be fine. But uh, a couple injuries to talk about. But, again, the uh, the pass to Farouk. Then the one to Stoops, he's got to wander around, right, make some time, wait for Drake Stoops to come open, and boom, there he is. Then you get the uh, P.I., and then you get the touchdown. You're right there in the corner of the end zone. Got a great shot. Right there, baby. And Dylan had to kind of hop up a little bit to make that he throw, He did, man. Too. Okay. And Walter Rouse. Mad props to unbelievable, Walter Rouse. Unbelievable, dude. Hello. Unbelievable. Maybe the greatest block in Sooner history right there. Two guys, one with each arm, giving DG just enough time to complete that ball in the corner of the end zone. And Nick Anderson makes the catch. It looks like an easy catch. But, man, when you're in the cod ball and that ball's floating right towards you, it's not the easiest, but he, boom, there it is, ball game. The electricity right there, because you're right there near the corner of the end zone, have you felt any other kind of electricity that was that uh, big in your media career? Yes. 2021 at the Cotton Bowl. I don't know if anything will ever top that. But I will say, in that moment when Nick Anderson well, caught Brooks the touchdown pass. was pretty pass, big, too. Yeah. yeah. When Nick Anderson caught that touchdown pass, Steely, you ever watched the movie Moneyball? Oh, yeah. I figured you had. You know the moment where uh, it's, it's right before Scott Hatterberg hits the walk-off home run. And Mike Sweeney hits that three-run bomb to tie the game for the Royals. And as soon as he makes contact, all the sound drops out. And it's just eerily silent for a minute or two. That's how it felt in that moment for me. Like Watching over the replay, as I have many times, obviously the building explodes as soon as the ball hits Anderson's hands. I didn't hear any of it. It's like everything went quiet. Everything stood still for a second. Well, the, the world was back on its axis, right, after last <laughs> year. So, there you go. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439 on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 405-651-3439. As usual, hour number one presented by Tim Lasher. He made some plays in the Cotton Bowl, too. Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405 405- Five seven nine thirty one thirteen. That's four zero five five seven nine thirty one thirteen. Any heat and air need issue that you need resolved, they'll get it done for you at Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Man, there's so much to unpack from this football game. We're going to spend two hours doing it with you guys and you ladies out there. Again, you want to join the conversation? Four zero five six five one. 3439 on the Meyer Chevrolet text line. Let's take an opening timeout. Come back. More OU Texas recap. The Sooners and UCF. Week off, then it's UCF. Rooster kickoff, 11 a.m. for Oklahoma and Central Florida. Take a timeout. Coming right back on the home of Sooner fans. Just take it. Take it. All right. Welcome back. What a great, great game on Saturday. The Sooners win it over Texas, 34-30. Uh, first of what is very likely two matchups. How's Matthew McConaughey feeling after the game? Did we hear anything from Matthew? I think we did, didn't we? Let's hear what he had to say. Wow. That was a roller coaster right there, man. That was tough, man. Left him too much time on the clock at the end, didn't we? 
hell of a game, man. Hats off to OU. The team came out on the front foot. Great emotional football they played. Well played, Sooners. See you next year. Till then, mean times and all times. Hook them. Gosh, he's so cringy. No party at the Moon Tower, though, or Big Tex for Longhorn fans on Saturday. He is obscene levels of cringe. <laughs> it's comical. You don't think he's cool? Do I think he is cool? Yeah, Absolutely. What, no, there's nothing cool about Matthew McConaughey. That was Barstool's okay, his... tweet was, here, Matthew, McConaugh- Matthew McConaughey even makes losing sound effing cool, is what they said. You don't agree? No. Well, then again, I don't agree with much of what Barstool does, but that's neither here nor there. A listener in the 405 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet <laughs> text line says, guys, I don't think we're going 6-7 and seven again. I Captain like- Willard says, 34 med balls for any remaining doubters. I love that. That's so good. That's so good. I got to fess up. I apologize. I had Texas winning 31-27. Yeah, I had belief. Do. I didn't have enough yeah, belief. Yeah, you do. It killed me in the ref Royal Rumble. Because when I first saw those picks coming in, I thought, God, geez, what a bunch of homers. Holy cow. <laughs> and I had belief, but I didn't have enough belief. And now I'm a believer. I saw it. I saw it happen. This weekend confirmed what we already had sus- had suspected, I suppose. And that is that Uncle knows ball. Uncle knows ball. Well, I think he had sixty-three to three. He did, he? but which, uh, to be yeah. fair, he almost got the uh, the combined point total exactly correct. That's true. That's another way to look at it. That's exactly right. All right, heroes from this game. Clearly, Dylan Gabriel, Ethan Downs, Hater was banished to the uh, scrap heap of negativity. We put him in the dump. Ethan Downs, couple of sacks, gotten uh, Quinn Ewers' face a few times. Uh, had a heck of a game. How about Caden Green? Yeah, man. I, I knew we were going to get to it eventually. I didn't know it would be this soon. Pretty good. Caden Green was a man's man on Saturday. That dude was tasked with handling a guy that will be an early round NFL draft pick next year into Vondre Sweat, who is all of six foot four, 360 pounds. Steely. Yeah. And as soon as Caden Green entered that football game on Oklahoma's third offensive drive, Devondre Sweat was a non-factor. And to me, with what Caden Green did on that stage on Saturday, with that individual matchup, Start I, him. I, I don't need to see anything else. That man is your starting left guard for the remainder of the season. I know that uh, Gabe on uh, Oklahoma Breakdown talks about, you know, once he gets his footwork right, he's really going to be a superstar. But, man, he still, he still looks pretty good out there to me. You know, my untrained eye. And uh, he's large and in charge. There's no doubt. Troy Everett's a really good player, but he doesn't have the size. Uh, no. You know, the the thing that amazed me most, well, not amazed me, but surprised me a little bit, is that Oklahoma not only held their own at the line of scrimmage, really if you're scoring that fight, it would have been a slight advantage for Oklahoma winning the line of scrimmage. Right? Yeah, I agree. Oklahoma, Oklahoma won Oklahoma the line of scrimmage. Oklahoma split decision yes. on the line of scrimmage. And that's where I was a little bit in doubt. Can they hold up? I didn't think they would get just totally crushed by Texas. But, you know, the, the running game, 113 yards for DG on the ground. Jeff Levy was very creative, and they found a way to uh, to run the football. We knew that DG 
would be uh, a big part of the running game, and he was, man. And he played, he played so tough. I mean, he left it all out there, Dylan Gabriel. By the way, a listener in the 715 says, can we have a segment on the greatness of Ronnie Crimson from his master recruiting to his Red River rivalry score predictions? Ronnie Crimson hit the nail on the head with his score prediction. Did he really? He had, he had Oklahoma 34-30. to 30. Very nice. Ronnie Crimson is a living legend. Now, you were close to that one, I, I had 34-31 OU. Yeah. Hmm. So I, I was very score- happy to be wrong, believe me. Believe me, I was thinking at first, like, well, golly, if they lose this, lose this game, at least I'm only one point off. Dean but- Choctaw says uncle is going to tear you to shreds, Steely. <laughs> he should. He should. Oh, gosh. What gonna- surprised you most about the game? What surprised me the most? Like to, like I said, for me, it was I, the line of scrimmage that I thought Oklahoma might get pushed around a little bit. But they did most of the pushing. Okay. Most of it. Well, I think two things surprised me. One, the play of the defensive line as a whole. And that's Obviously, Ethan Downs had two sacks. He was probably the biggest winner on the day. Dejon Terry had a sack and a half. Played great. Jacob Lacey made perhaps the most underrated play of the day with 220 left in that football game. Texas is humming offensively. They're rolling right down the field. They've got a chance to get into Oklahoma territory, grab a couple of first downs, uh, milk the clock, and set Burt Auburn up with a field goal attempt to win the game as time expires. And Jacob Lacey torpedoed all of those plans with that first down sack of Quinn Ewers that put Texas out in no man's land, out of field goal range. And that affected the next two play calls from Steve Sarkeesian. That allowed Oklahoma the chance to get the ball back with enough time on the clock for Dylan Gabriel to string a drive together. Jacob Lacey, I mean, that was that was really the only play all day where you felt his impact, but there could not have been a better time for him to come up with a play like that. Yeah, and you talk about DG, you talk about Caden Green, you talk about Ethan Downs, you talk about Jalil Farouk. Uh, special teams, man. They they've got to they've got to get better. I yeah, mean, that, that, that was just special brutal. teams sucks right now. Did like, I see Plaster standing like in the middle of the end zone on that kick? Almost. I mean, not. I I get it. You're not going to be back near you know the back line or whatever. I don't know what happened, Sealy, but, but punting is but punting and kicking is a liability right now for Oklahoma, and they need answers. They need solutions. But I, I'll add this: the other thing that surprised me, Steely. That freaking goal line stand, man. When was the last time we saw Oklahoma stand up with their heels on their own goal line, with their backs against the wall? Like 84, that? I guess, right? 80, the 84 Texas game, everybody's referencing, and I was there at that game on that rainy day in Dallas. But that particular set of four downs kind of personifies what this culture is all about because there was no give up. And Texas puts those two Mack trucks in there, right, the defensive linemen, and Kip Lewis breaks through on the first play, right? That was his first defensive snap of the day, I mean, he he just completely blows blows it up. And then you have Nassau McCullough also, you know, takes on one of the Mack trucks, wins the battle, and makes a play. Uh, They just kept making plays, man. And, and the play that Billy Bowman made big time. on that fourth down. With as much momentum as Xavier Worthy was carrying into the end zone once he caught that pass from Ewers, I, like watching it over, I have no idea how he didn't get into the end zone. Billy Bowman had to lay a very precise, very forceful hit just so 
on Xavier Worthy to deny him the goal line. Yeah. And he did it. He did. He did. Uh, we got to throw Walter Rouse in the mix, too, obviously. And there there were a bunch of guys who made plays. But that's, that play, um, again, that Walter Rouse made, that block, that's that's just big time. All right, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Ardmore Sooner says, toughness not seen since Calvis and Marshall. So grateful for BV. Somebody said, yeah, the 84 Nebraska game, that was the uh, Brian Hall stop on uh, Jeff Smith. So that would have been after the uh, the Cotton Bowl game. But, yeah, you're right. That was a big play. Brian Hall made the play. I can still see it. Just didn't remember it. Sooner Soldier says, the Texas game was DG's worst completion percentage of the first six games, and he had a good drive well about time, but everybody wants to crown him a hero. I want to see some consistency before I label him a hero. Uh, Sooner Soldier, what has Dylan Gabriel been this year if not consistent? Again, what more do you want from a guy that's completing 72% of his passes, that has 21 total touchdowns to three turnovers, and just came up with the biggest drive of his life, on the biggest stage and in the biggest moment of his life to vault Oklahoma past the number three team in the country and suddenly insert the Sooners into the college football playoff conversation. What do you want from Dylan Gabriel, realistically speaking, that he has not already accomplished? I can't comment there. I can't comment. Uh, Yes, he missed a couple throws. He missed a throw to Drake Stoops that was off target. Uh, miss one to Austin Stogner was was off target. Missed another one early in the game to Stoops. But yeah, you know what he the other thing? Do? He didn't turn the ball over. He did not. Quinn Ewers did that twice in the first two minutes of the and a fumble for Quinn game. Ewers too. Yeah. So Quinn had three turnovers. Uh, again, I just think the grittiness and the leadership and the uh, you know he didn't blink when there was a minute seventeen left, and I I thought it was spectacular. So. All right, 405-651-3439. Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, get on out there, play with your wild card today. We've got the 80K Friday Night Frights promotion. Get the extra entries for the promotional drawings on Friday nights by playing with your wild card Monday and Tuesday and uh, the rest of the week, too, but you get five times entries today and tomorrow. We've got another big show coming up as well at the Showplace Theater happening this Saturday night. Carly Pierce will be on the uh, Showplace Theater stage. And then we have a Beats and Bites show coming up at the Gin Blossoms Outdoors October 22nd on a Sunday. And that will be outdoors on the Coupale Works Beats and Bites stage October 22nd. Then Rodney Carrington October 27th at the uh, Showplace Theater. But Carly Pierce coming up this weekend at the Showplace Theater on a Saturday night. Another reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best. Get your tickets online at riverwind.com or at the casino box office. Break time right here. Coming right back. Ton of text coming in. More sound to get to. Let's hear what Sark and Quinn Ewers had to say when we get back and get to your texts here on the Home of Sooner Fans. We are back. Welcome back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, home of Sooner fans on this Monday. Sooners beat Texas Monday, 405-651-3439 on the Kadippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. That's 
651-3439-135, our Monday visit with Jesse Crittenden from OU Insider on the way. We'll talk a little bit of recruiting, Daniel Lock and Coomney and more coming up here in a bit as well. What did the Longhorns have to say after they lost in epic fashion, 34-30 in the Cotton Bowl over the weekend? Here is Steve Sarkeesian in the postgame. Hard-fought game. Uh, tip my cap to, to Oklahoma. That, that was a nice win for them, to, for them to battle back at the end the way that they did. Uh, I, I, think, I think one thing uh, I never question about our group and these guys here is their fight, their resiliency. Um, they, and they, they absolutely displayed that today when, when we didn't play our best football today. Um, you know, we, we, we turned the ball over three times. We didn't, we didn't create any turnovers. We had nine penalties, uh, which was, was very uncharacteristic for us. Um, you know, one of three in the red area. Uh, and, and in the end, I think they have five sacks or something. And so, uh, and then, you know, our inability to, to corral the quarterback and, and his legs really hurt us there scrambling, especially in the second half. So um, that was not our best football. There you go, Steve Sarkeesian. You know who also didn't play their best football? Oklahoma. That is true. They played objectively, they, very true. They played their special teams were a disaster in many ways, and uh, you know the Sooners didn't bring like they they didn't need their A game. They needed great plays at the right moments, goal line stand, turnovers, Dylan Gabriel doing what he did, man with. Uh, a five-play drive to take Oklahoma down the field with no timeouts. Was that all it was? Was it game. just five? I guess yeah. it was just five plays. Isn't that incredible? It? Yeah, it's amazing. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, I keep hearing this from Texas fans again. Well, you know, played so horrible, nearly won the game. Oklahoma, yeah, you think, again. Like, you think Oklahoma turned in some virtuoso performance? It was not a masterpiece. It was, in many ways, it was a, a very messy painting. But the end product was, was pretty darn good. And, again, uh, what I loved more than anything else was the toughness of that team, the never-say-die attitude, the ability to make plays when they really needed to make plays. And that's what a really good football team does. You don't have to play your best. Uh, and we're going to get a rematch. Barring something really crazy, we're going to get a rematch. Quinn Ewers was asked about the improvement of the Oklahoma defense, obviously from last year to this year. Yeah, I mean, each team, each year is going to be different, obviously. And, you know, I think this year they got a lot more confidence in themselves. Um, and, you know, they had some, some guys back that weren't able to play last year. Um, but, you know, it's hard to, to look back at, on last year, um, you know, when we're focused on this year. But, yeah, I mean, they were, they were better defense than last year, obviously. All right, those are our Ortho Central clips of the day. Ortho Central, longtime clinics in the Norman and Midwest City area, now a new Tri-City location. Right there in Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard, these full-service clinics treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. What did you think of the Sooners got after the mighty Quinn? Five sacks for Oklahoma, one for Texas. And uh, like I said, you know, the, the OU line had been pretty good in pass pro all year. It was the running game that we were questioning. But I thought both sides of the ball, OU coached their butt off too. You know, I really did. That uh, – you know, they, we knew that Brent Venables was going to devise uh, some ways to get to Quinn Ewers. Yeah. And they were all over Quinn Ewers uh, most of the game. 
Well, and they tightened up when they needed to. There's no better example of that than the goal line stand. But to consider the reality that Texas had 527 yards of total offense and only mustered two touchdown drives? And only had 23 of those points on the OU defense. Exactly, because you obviously have the blocked punt. Yeah, special teams gave up the other one, clearly. Yeah, so, again, not a perfect day for Oklahoma by any means. They made mistakes. They left stuff on stuff on the table. They created opportunities for Texas at certain junctures. But what continues to impress me about this Oklahoma football team is that they continue to demonstrate that there is no cut-and-dried formula with which they must win a football game. You're seeing that at USC with Lincoln Riley. Right? Oh. There is a cut-and-dried <laughs> formula. It is called outscore the opponent by any means necessary. And... That has always been the formula for Lincoln Riley. That's the only way Lincoln Riley's teams have won football games. For Oklahoma, I think one of the marks of a championship team, Steely, is the ability to beat an opponent at their own game. To be able to go win a shootout or be able to go win a defensive stalemate or be able to trade blows with a really talented opponent and in the end make the play here, the play there, that constitutes the razor's edge we have seen that heck we've seen that in oklahoma's last three games alone between cincinnati a 20 to 6 game iowa state a 50 to 20 game and that outstanding game at the cotton bowl on saturday yeah make make more of the winning plays than oklahoma did uh where's the one uh slim brady was talking about i thought it was pretty good okay let's see what slim brady has uh i heard texas insiders say that oklahoma unloaded the clip and played their best game, and it's funny to me because they were the team that ran a fake punt, a trick play, tried another trick play, going for it on fourth down a majority of the times, and brought in heavy packages, and they still lost. But, yeah, yeah. Oklahoma unloaded yep. the clip. Yep, good point. Excellent point, and uh, I thought the same thing. All right, 405-651-3439. Again, if you didn't hear the uh, game time for Oklahoma and Central Florida, 11 a.m., rooster kickoff. Uh, I learned, this is from a listener in the 405, I learned that both teams could win a natty. Both are very good teams. And that's fair. Like Texas I, is good, man. I made this, this isn't a soft Texas team that they beat. I they, made this assertion on the message boards over at OUinsider.com, which, by the way, if you're not a member, can sign up right now with promo code RRSWIN and get 50% off your subscription. It's less than $5 a month. Heck of a deal. But that aside... I made this observation on the message boards, and I, I'm curious to hear what you think of it, Steely, because I got some folks agreeing with me. I got some folks that were very offended by this take. As I look at Oklahoma and Texas and how they match up, A, you must acknowledge that Texas is a very good football team, and Quinn Ewers, after those two interceptions, for the most part, played very good football. Didn't he have he 17 completions in a row? He completed 31 of 37 passes for 346 yards. Yeah. After the first five minutes of the football game, he was actually quite excellent. Now, my opinion, Steely, is that on paper, on paper, and I said this before the game, I'll say it after the game too, on paper, Texas is a more talented football team than Oklahoma. But... Oklahoma is the program that's better equipped to compete for championship for a championship in the year 2023. And that's because, as we saw on Saturday, the Sooners play better complementary football. 
they play with more heart, and they minimize mistakes. They are their own worst enemy to a much lesser extent than Texas is. Yeah, well, hey, Urban Meyer said Texas had the best roster in uh, college football, right? And, look, Texas is always going to have a great roster. Is their roster maybe a little bit more talented than Oklahoma's right now? Yes. Sooners, though, you've seen what they've done in recruiting. Uh, You saw what Oklahoma lost. By the way, Caleb Williams, that dude – might be the greatest college football player of all time. <laughs> all he has done is rescue horrible defenses for three years. Going, you know, middle of his second, third year now, he has had to rescue teams from an absolute titanic sinking ship defense for two and a half seasons now. I hope he gets weekly fruit baskets from Alex Grinch because he's the only reason that guy is still employed. I mean, it's crazy. Can you think of another Heisman Trophy who has had to winner that has had to rescue his team as many times as Caleb Williams. No, and again, it's because there is one formula for winning football, according to Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Notre Dame have a shot this weekend. They, you know, Louisville. <laughs> In South Bend? Uh, oh, no, absolutely they have a that's shot. That's going to be fun Saturday night. That but, Well, let me ask you this, Steely. Who's a better football team, USC or Louisville? <sighs> that's my point. You're thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just a comedy of errors with it. That that uh, that kick <laughs> was so that, great. What was that? that the holder doing looked like he was constipated. But hey, special teams don't matter, right? No, not at all. How long didn't Oklahoma? How long did they go without a special teams coach per se? Uh, two years? No, it was the entirety of. Well, no, I okay, it was two years because Shane Beamer, right. Shane Beamer Eventually. had a pretty big hand in the special teams, but. Yeah, Muleshoe, he got to USC, and he was like, oh, we're not going to hire a special teams coach. Special team doesn't matter that much. Yeah, well, almost cost you a game on Saturday night. It will cost you a game at a certain point. Heck, you can argue it cost him against Tulane. Mm. You remember when Mario Williams fumbled that kickoff out of bounds? Oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, you do not win games on paper. That's right. You do not win games on paper. And Bingo. The Sooners, again, uh, look, Oklahoma's much more talented this year. And their second year in the system, but you were seeing again that culture take hold because the the perfect example again is the biggest two series, four four plays for Texas at the Oklahoma one yard line, and well I guess one was at like the two or whatever because only because they knocked yeah. it back and then and then the five play drive to go in the game that is a winning culture right there so there you go all right we got a break right here four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine thanks again to Lasher Home Comfort Systems. 405-579-3113 for Tim Lasher's great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. This is fun to talk about a Texas victory. And there's likely going to be a rematch. 90% chance of a rematch in Arlington. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, Steely. I think it'll happen too, but there's a lot of football to be played okay. between now and then. 75% chance. We'll be right back here on The Ref. It is a Monday after the Sooners beat the Horns down in Dallas over the weekend, 34-30. Epic football game at the Cotton Bowl. Man, we've had some great ones. You know, the two, uh, 2020 pandemic game, four overtimes. Then you had the uh, the uh, great comeback. Caleb Williams coming in. Unbelievable. And last year, of course, was the uh, debacle in Dallas. But this year was a great Sooner victory over the Horns. And... Uh, you know what's fun is to hear some of the uh, Texas so-called insiders. I, I've never heard of Nash Talk Texas. I'm not a big, 
you know, got your own YouTube channel guy. I mean, because everybody has a show now. No, you just got your own Twitch channel, right? Own Twitch channel, yes. But but mine's earned. My my pedigree's very much earned in the gaming world, too. The greatest of the geriatrics. That's exactly right. But uh, here's this clown uh, after the game Saturday night. Nash talks Texas. Texas, really, at the end of the day, like, in my opinion, okay, Y'all can call me crazy for thinking this or whatever. We beat the we beat the ever loving out of Oklahoma today. We beat the out of that team, and we lost. There you go. Was there actual live laughter? Yes. Oh, yes. Re- okay. Yes. 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 But. Uh... I don't know what is I don't that's know how to that's just homerism. That's, that's blatant homerism. That's a dude appeasing his audience. Like I said, there, any clown can have a show these days in the uh, day and age that we live in. And some of them turn out to be pretty good. A few. But, I mean, come on, dude. Sooners made the plays to win a game. Texas did not. And, again, I do think this is a good Texas football team. You didn't come out of the Cotton Bowl thinking, man, Texas ain't all that. You probably thought Oklahoma just beat a really good football team because Oklahoma's a good football team as well. Was that your take? I'm asking you, Parker Thune. Look, my take, and I I said it last segment, I believe that on paper Texas is a more talented football team than Oklahoma. I do not believe that they are the program that is better positions to compete for a championship in the year of our lord 2023 nor am i of the opinion that they outplayed oklahoma on saturday i don't think nash talks texas and i were watching the same football game i think one team a- turned the ball over three mm-hmm. times it wasn't oklahoma one team allowed five sacks it wasn't oklahoma one team allowed the opposing quarterback to march 75 yards down the field in five plays with everything on the line and it wasn't Oklahoma. And guess why Quinn Ewers was throwing some interceptions in the game? Great defense by Gentry Williams right off the bat, right? Plus pressure on Quinn Ewers. Uh, he was in a lot more pressure than under a lot more pressure than DG was. Now, DG was under some pressure here and there, too. He was able to take off and run. So, again, I think it's a good Texas football team. I do. Um, we'll see what happens in the likely rematch. So. Uh, we have almost 400 texts over the course of this hour on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We just had a record-setting we, week last week, by the way, on uh, the, app. the app. was unbelievable. Cherokee Sooner says, whatever Nash is smoking, I want some. Uh, another listener in the 405 says, if you put a truth serum in him today, how badly do you think Caleb Williams wishes he would have taken up BB's offer to stay at OU? Oh, oh man. Put Caleb Williams on this OU football national team? National championship team. Yeah, I mean, they're, no win- doubt. they're winning the national championship. From another listener here in the 405, Parker and Steely, it's time. Crown him. <laughs> Give the man his letter. D-F-G. Dylan Gabriel. Oh, do you see this? How about one of the AP voters? This is from a listener in the 402. How about that AP writer keeping UT in front of OU because they didn't win by more than three points? I mean, oh wait! Did you say that was the biggest ratio you've ever seen? It was the steepest ratio I have ever seen on the internet, Steely. I think when I quote tweeted it, that uh, that tweet had like a hundred and thirty-five quote tweets and two likes. 
Oh, man. That poor girl. But come on. She tried to answer the question. It was like, say what? Okay. That doesn't make any sense. Kids, remember, being ratioed is not good for you or your mental health or anything. That's the world we live in. You don't want to be ratioed. KA and BA says, I wonder if that numb nuts in Texas knows who OU's receivers are now. <laughs> Which is hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious that the two guys he called out and was like, I don't know who those guys are. One of them was the guy that led OU yeah. in receiving, the and the other guy was the one pass. that caught the kill shot. Yeah. Who was that? Was that Bobby Burton? Who, no, it who was, was it. It was Catch. Oh, it was Catch him. Oh. <laughs> Oh, nice. Very nice. How did I not realize that? Did we not play that clip on this show? I I thought we did. I don't. uh, Tyler probably played it. We played uh, Brandon Walker as our dumbass clip of the week. So, but Tyler probably played it. That could not have aged better if you're an Oklahoma football fan. That could not have aged more gracefully. Any updates on Anthony's injury? Haven't seen any yet. It did not look good. McCabe Mattire, I guess the uh, it's not as X rays were the, negative right. with McCabe, which is good because that man, that looked bad. Andrew Anthony uh, having such a good season. I know. Man. Don't have any updates yet. But the good news is when Gentry Williams went out, unless you were there like Plank and you had the insight as to what was going on, you're thinking, oh no, because that kid has played unbelievable football all year. But uh, that's not going to be a problem moving forward. Okay, Uh, let's get to a lot more text next hour. We have Jesse Crittenden. We'll get his take on Oklahoma, Texas. One of the greatest Red River games of all time. Maybe the best. Sooner fans are loving it. Thanks to Lasher Home Comfort Systems, our first hour sponsor, 405-579-3113. we got a lot more to talk about. Sooners are in the playoff conversation. We'll talk about that when we get back. Talking about good stuff today. Sooners beat Texas. It's always a fun show. The Monday after Oklahoma takes down Texas. 34-30 in the Cotton Bowl over the weekend. Great victory for Oklahoma to run their uh, record at 6-0, number 5 in the AP poll. This week, moving on up. Great, great opportunity to uh, win the league. Go to the college football playoff. Guess who changed his tune after watching Saturday's game down in Dallas? I Well, I don't know where this is going, actually, because I would, I would imagine many folks changed mm-hmm. their tune. Had to change their tune. Brandon Walker. Is it Brandon Walker? Yes. Brandon. No, 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 no. It's not Brandon Walker, but I did see that he came back quickly uh, and got hammered, of course. But um, Joe Klatt, who I think – for the most part, is usually in a in good standing with Oklahoma fans. For the most part, but uh, remember, he basically said, "You know, Oklahoma should be really nervous, pretty scared going into this football game." Well, guess who changed his tune on his most recent uh, podcast? What an incredible, incredible performance by Oklahoma, yes, but also just Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel was a man amongst men 
and and our men amongst boys, you know, in, in a lot of regard. He was the difference for Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel and Toby Rowland, exactly, you're exactly right. I mean, a legacy-making drive, a legacy-making win. This is a guy that transferred to OU in large part because of this game, because of this stage. He wanted to get to this level, remember, after being at UCF with Jeff Levy, uh, Levy by the way, his uh, offensive coordinator, and he wanted to get to this level, and he wanted to get to this place specifically, OU, for this game, and he didn't get a chance to play in it last year. And so now, all of a sudden, here we go. He gets his chance against a team that a lot of us thought was an easily a top three team, and by the way, still is a really good team. And and he played like that. It was incredible. There you go. It was incredible. And, uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel, who's had uh, a fair share of detractors, we get him on this show too, And but he has played excellent football for OU. Some people want to look again and, well, he missed a throw to Drake Stoops. He missed a throw to Austin Stogner. Man, he had Stoops wide open. Okay. But the way he took that team down the field, he was clearly the most important player on that field Saturday. Is he the most talented player on that field? No. There are a lot of guys who are going to go to the NFL on both sides, uh, you know, and be solid players on Sundays. Dylan Gabriel will get drafted. Maybe he'll be a backup. Who knows what could happen? But he was the guy who influenced that game. And quarterbacks normally do, but he influenced that game above anybody else. And he was tremendous. I have a very simple question for you, Steely. Okay. When was the last time we saw an Oklahoma cornerback or an Oklahoma quarterback, excuse me, put together a game winning drive, a true game winning drive? I can tell you the answer. It's Caleb Williams mm-hmm. in 2021 in that mm-hmm. very game. Yep. Other than that, how far back do you have to go? Man, I'd have to think back. My old man memory is so bad these days, it's difficult to recall. Somebody will help us out on the text line. But that was that was amazing. I mean, it was absolutely amazing because you have to start that drive in the Texas end of the field too, right? And it was loud, <laughs> Steely. It was as loud as that building had been all day at that point. And – Five plays, 75 yards. You had a good angle. I saw your video again. What did you see looking at that? Could you tell that DG had to kind of jump just a little bit to make that throw, get oh, yeah. it off? Oh, and, yeah. I mean, it, that's a – It was kind of – and I didn't realize at that point that the Sooners basically had two-on-one out at the perimeter and the defensive back out there basically had to make a decision mm-hmm. whether he was going to clamp on Austin Stogner or hang, hang back and cover Nick Anderson. Uh, I, I couldn't see that in my peripheral vision. So I see Dylan Gabriel float this pass up, and I'm like, oh, no, that's dangerous. And then obviously Nick Anderson's standing there all alone in the back of the end zone to reel it in. But all in all, man, fantastic throw by Dylan Gabriel, fantastic awareness to feel the pressure coming, get the ball out preemptively, use his eyes to make sure that the defensive back broke on Stogner before he released the ball. And an outstanding play. We mentioned it last hour. It's worth bringing up again. An outstanding effort by Walter Rouse to oh, hold off the Texas Blitz Phenomenal. And give Gabriel <laughs> just enough time to release that football. Yeah, I, I think when you see it, when when the play initially, when it happened live, it kind of looked like, man, he's wide open. That's a pretty easy throw, and he made it. But then when you look back at it and you see the replays and, you, you know, Sooner fans have watched it 100 times by now. You see what Walter Rouse did. 
Uh, you knew the pressure was kind of coming at that, but you didn't realize that that is a great effort for him to, you know, jump just as much as he could to make sure he had a clear vision, trusting that Nick Anderson's going to be there. And there he was. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. A lot of people on the text line are saying Baker OU Texas in 2017 for the last game winning drive. That drive happened with seven minutes left in the football game. That was the Mark so, Anderson. Yeah, I mean, yeah. technically, Mark that Andrews, was the decisive Mark drive. Catch. Yeah. But that is not one that I would categorize as a game-winning drive. I'm talking about a moment where the quarterback gets the ball, you know it's going to be the last meaningful drive of the game, and you got to have it. Mm-hmm. Again, Caleb Williams in 2021, how much further back do you got to go to find an instance where an Oklahoma quarterback did that? Yeah. Uh, let's see what we have elsewhere on the text line. Ronnie Crimson says, I would love to hear from Ethan Downs hater today. He's gone. Unfortunately, he has been stonewalled like Tavondre Sweat. There is a tombstone that says, here lies Ethan Downs hater. Ethan he Downs hater. a life of complete negativity and trolling. <laughs> Ethan Downs hater is Tavondre Sweat and Steely is Caden Green. <laughs> he I ain't just, getting through. I just finally had enough. You know, you can only have so many trolls in your life before you finally hit the breaking point. Like, you know what? We don't need to talk to this dude. We don't. Slim Brady says, so Emmett Jones has three straight wins against Texas with three different schools? Gosh, he does, doesn't he? Kansas in 21, Tech in 22. Wow. Oh, you this year. You go. Emmett Jones is Longhorn Kryptonite. That's all the proof you That's need. That's unbelievable. That's awesome. Yeah, I heard Cowherd say that uh, Texas would win the rematch, and they were, you know, all the turnovers and all that stuff. What do you expect? What do you expect? Oh, these texts are pouring in, Steely. I, it's hard Absolutely to keep up with them. pouring It in. always is, but especially today. A listener in the 580 says, am I blocked or something? You guys never read my texts anymore. It's You guys no, have it's, to it's, realize that these are scrolling by at warp speed. There right? are almost 400 texts. That were, you know... I know you think we're ignoring you, but literally we start to read one and 10 more pop up. There are almost 400 texts from the last 60 minutes that we have not gotten to. And yeah. I think we've gotten to a lot of texts in that span of time. Uh, Chad Nawasa says if OU wins and Texas wins out and Texas beats OU in a close Big 12 championship game, do you think OU still has outside shot at a playoff spot? You know, I was thinking about that today, and, um, man, it just – is there a possibility? Yeah, there's a remote possibility. Wouldn't count on it. That could happen. I wouldn't either. No. Wouldn't count on it. And even if – and the theory is, okay, well, Oklahoma won the first one. Let's say Texas wins on a last-second field goal or whatever. Um, you know, that would be um, – you know, and the Sooners play close and they split. But you've got to depend. I mean, you still need um, – George is clearly – you know they're they're not what they have been, but they're still really really good. They're going to be there. Michigan's going to be there. I think you can. To me, I think you can almost pencil those two teams in. Well, and you have to consider context too. Last year, TCU lost the Big Twelve championship game and still made the college football playoff. So there is precedent for it. Yes. However, at that time, TCU was one of only two undefeated teams left in the country, so they had given themselves some leeway. And also the circumstances elsewhere dictated that unless they just got shellacked that day by Kansas State, they were almost assuredly getting in because you had a two-loss Pac-12 champion, Mm -hmm. you had a two-loss ACC champion, uh, and you had Michigan and Georgia that had taken care of business in the other two Power Five conferences. So 
Kansas State obviously wasn't going to legitimately contend for a playoff spot, even if they had one, because they had three losses on their slate. So the circumstances allowed TCU to have a rather large margin for error heading into championship Saturday. Right now, when you look across the landscape of college football, you've still got unbeatens left in the ACC. Yep, you've got State you've got multiple fourth. Yeah, you've got Florida State and uh, and North Carolina both right. unbeaten in the ACC. Correct. You've got several unbeaten's in the Big Ten. The Pac-12. The Pac-12 doesn't look like it's going to cannibalize itself this year the way that it has in past years. It definitely feels like this is a year where the Pac-12 finally, for the first time since, what, 2017, has a legit shot at a college football playoff berth. So, going into championship Oregon Saturday, and Washington Saturday, by yeah, the way. Big that's going to go a long Huge. way towards dictating who's in the driver's seat uh, come the end of the season to make the playoff out of the Pac-12. But you do not have that same margin for error. You will not have that mar- same margin for error going into championship Saturday this year that TCU had last year. So, if you're Oklahoma... 12 and 0 ain't good enough. You got to be 13 and 0. It's going to be interesting, no doubt about it. All right, uh 405-651-3439. Uh Daniel Locke and Kunmi. Uh when's that happening? That is happening on the 12th, so what is that? Thursday? Mm-hmm. Thursday. So that's happening for Oklahoma. Scott in Edmond, first time texter. It's clearly evident that this staff is hitting on all cylinders when it comes to talent evaluation. They have hit in the transfer portal and recruiting. Multiple new players making a massive impact. Hey, no. Jacob Lacey. No doubt. Dejon Terry. Mm-hmm. Peyton Bowen. Yeah. Andrell Anthony. Howie Walker. Yeah. You want to roll on down the list. It's very true. Tawi Walker, you know, his yards per carry weren't great, but he was tough as nails again. He tracked a few people. He again. did. I, what is with the absence of the running game right now? And again, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be negative today, at least not unless I have to be. But I think if there is one bugaboo for this Oklahoma team as you turn the page from the first half of the season to the second half of the season, is that you really haven't been able to establish the traditional running game with your backs on a regular basis. That said, again. The Sooners needed a lift in that area on Saturday, and who was there to provide it? DG. Dylan DG. freaking Gabriel. That's right. I thought Jeff Levy had a good day, too. I thought, uh, you know, they, the, we, we said that they had to get creative in the running game and that Dylan Gabriel was going to have to, uh, you know, do his fair share, and, the, and he certainly did that. You know how many other quarterbacks have ever rushed? How many other Oklahoma quarterbacks have ever rushed for 100 and thrown for 250 against Texas? Two? Zero, Steely. Jalen Hurts never did it. Oh, wow. Caleb Williams never did it. Kyler Murray never did Impressive. it. Impressive. Baker Mayfield never did it. Jamel freaking Holloway never did it. Dylan Gabriel is one of one in that company. It was DG's day and a great day for Sooner fans. All right. Uh, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We do have Jesse Crittenden coming up. That'll be happening at uh, 135 on the uh, – Riverwind Casino Hotline. Let's break right here. Come back. If we're not getting to your texts, I promise we're trying, you guys. But they are flying in nonstop. We'll talk a little more recruiting when we get back as well. Keep it right here. Sooner fans definitely needed that. There is no doubt about it. Great victory by the Sooners. Epic comeback. Epic drive. 
legacy-changing game for Dylan Gabriel and the Cotton Bowl over the weekend. Hopefully you saw it with a clear eyesight. Because if you're in your 40s or older, sometimes, you know, you may have seen that. Did Nick Anderson catch that? Did he really? What? Yes, he did. Well, if that's the kind of issue that you're having, let me introduce you to the new LASIK, or as we like to call it, very simply, lens replacement. Lens replacement provides a permanent solution for your vision needs, unlike LASIK, which sometimes leaves patients needing reading glasses or adjusting to monovision. Lens replacement can eliminate the need for additional eyewear after your surgery. In other words, you don't need the old man glasses anymore. You don't need them. Best part of the whole deal with lens replacement, you will never have to get a cataract surgery. Won't require that ever. Lens replacement, the new LASIK, it's a major leap forward in vision correction. So if you're ready to see 2020, then check out the new LASIK available at thenewlasik.com. All right, let's get back to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. It's, it is on fire. Russ in Atlanta says, read this text. <laughs> that was it. That, that, that was it. Okay, Russ, your text has been read. Uh, <laughs> oh, whoa, interesting. I, okay, I'm not going to read this one. Started off interesting, took a, took a turn. Um, Two-star Taylor says, a thing going a little under the radar here is that the bye week couldn't have come at a better time, in my opinion. Give us a week to get healthy and get back to af- after it for a second half of the season run. Yeah, no doubt. This is the perfectly timed bye week. I, I agree with that 100%. Is something happening with Zion Kearney? That's what somebody no, said no, on, no, on nothing significant is happening with Zion Kearney. He's good? Yes, he's good. Uh, a listener in Louisiana says, what was the deal with DG's finger bleeding? Bye week could not have come at a better time. I mean, he probably just got it cut. Mm-hmm. It happens. Yeah. You know, it's football. Bodies are flying. He was fine. I mean, didn't affect his level of play and wasn't a concern after the game. So, Sooner Steve from Tulsa. <laughs> Sooner Steve from Tulsa, in case you're missing the context here, he's been texting in for the last two weeks on a crusade to end the self-check grocery line. Okay. He said, prior to the game, the Texas secondary picked up some Gatorade and used the self-check grocery line, then proceeded to puke down their leg. <laughs> By the way, somebody keeps uh, texting in. Didn't OU outrush Texas? They did, yes. OU had just over 200. Texas was around 150, I believe it was. So, And uh, clearly that was mainly due to Dylan Gabriel, who had 113 of those uh, 201 yards. So, yes. Cool Mojay says, OU is in a win-win situation right now. If they win out, we play in the national championship playoff. If we lose to Texas in the Big 12 championship, maybe we get USC in a bowl game. Either way, I will be in heaven. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure many folks would rather play in the college football playoff. But I will say, if you end up matched up with Muleshoe and USC in a bowl game, I, I think Sooner fans will be a little bit disappointed. But, man, you talk about a game that is going to move the needle oh, in terms yeah. of TV ratings. Absolutely. Gosh, uh, I... Some part of me wants it to happen just so I can see what Steely is like on these airwaves for the weeks leading up to that game. Because, you know, we're going to have like three or four weeks to preview the bowl. Yeah, and you know that, man, if if I'm at a bowl game where I can match up teams and there's no affiliation or whatever and you've got the final say, it's got to be Oklahoma-USC. A listener in Kansas says, if OU and West Virginia are undefeated in conference, OU should lose to West Virginia. And then Texas would not go to the Big 12 championship. 
Can't do it. Yeah, I would you let me ask you this. Would you rather play West Virginia in the Big Twelve Championship as a one loss team or Texas in the Big Twelve Championship as an undefeated team? I would venture to guess a lot of Sooner fans want that smoke. They want a Texas rematch. Yeah. They want to silence whatever doubters still remain. People that say, well, Texas is a better team. Well, Texas outplayed Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma didn't show me enough to make me believe they're actually better than Texas. I do not want to play USC in a bowl game because I do not want to give them any of the notoriety we could bring to them. Here's the deal. Do you think uh, Caleb Williams would play in a bowl game? Ooh, that's a good question. Especially if it's Oklahoma? Man, I don't know. I don't know. By the way, the text line isn't letting you forget, Steely. Zach says, Steely picked Texas to win. Shame, shame, shame. I was wrong. I said, yeah, I had picked Texas. I had belief. I didn't have enough. I'm fessing up. I'm fessing up. And guess what? Never been more happy to be wrong than that uh, game on Saturday. A listener in the 918 says, It's crazy to see all these Texas fans and media talking about the two INTs and fumble like they weren't forced by the defense. Yeah, they just, oh, my gosh, I'm running down the field. Drop the football. You know, Peyton Bowen made a great hit on Quinn Ewers, knocked that ball free. And, you know, I would say that – Gentry Williams made a great play, but, you know, there was there was some pressure on Quinn Ewers most of the day. Pretty good pressure. You know how fans are, though. From a listener in the 405, last drive was spectacular, but not enough attention given to the opening drive of the second half. That yes, drive the middle was eight. one of the best we've had in a while as far as us not playing our best game. Also, don't forget the drop by Tawi right before the half. He doesn't drop that. We're up 14 after the opening drive in the third. Well, and you're starting to think, if you're an Oklahoma fan, that you led 27-17 to and you had opportunities to kind of slam the door shut that you weren't quite able to pull off. But Brent talks about those middle eight, right? And the Sooners, you know, they they should have had 14. But – and you can say, well, DG's pass was a little bit low. But it was still – it should have been caught. Should have been six. But, uh, yeah, that was huge. Absolutely huge. Scary Gary says, get Texas a map so they can locate T.D. Anderson next time. Yes, <laughs> T.D. Anderson, because that's all that man does. Rodney's reaction video was so great, too. It was awesome. Uh, we have a lot of first-time texters today, which is great. The Ref Army yes, is growing. that's right. Uh, this listener texted in for the very first time from the 405. If the Sooners in Texas win out and play in the Big 12 championship game, that is a playoff game. Yeah, it kind of is. It's a playoff game to get into the playoff. I, for, for the first time in a while, Steely, it looks like, and I would say for the first time since probably the first year of the playoff when TCU and Baylor both got jumped by Ohio State on the final day. For the first time in quite a while, it looks like you have two playoff caliber teams in the Big 12. Most years in the past, it's been just one, or in some cases, none. You got two of them this year. <laughs> and they just so happen to be the two programs that are leaving the Big 12. <laughs> so great. So great. By the way, didn't know you outrush Texas. Yes, we've answered that three times. Well, that's the third time. Yes, 
201 to 156, I, was, uh, I think is, was the final total. And uh, Dylan Gabriel, again, had 113 yards of Oklahoma's 201. Nick says, something we're not talking about. We had four penalties, and Texas had nine penalties. For the game that it was, both teams played a fairly clean game. Oklahoma had 14 penalties against Arkansas State. To me, that is a major improvement as well. Yeah, yeah. They, it's just, uh, like I said, you can see the culture taking hold because, um, you know, you heard Sark say, hey, we didn't play our best football. Well, neither did Oklahoma. But they played really, really good football in the moments that mattered the most. You know, goal line stand and a five-play, 75-yard drive to win the game, basically, with no timeouts. So, Sooners made a lot of winning plays, and that's what got in the W. All right, 405-651-3439. Let's take a quick break right here. We do have our man Jesse Crittenden on the other side. He'll join us, get his take on Oklahoma, Texas, where the Sooners stand. Uh, the rest of the schedule, obviously the Sooners are going to be favored in every game. Uh, there will be some challenges. BYU looks pretty good. Yeah, BYU does. Kansas, you know, particularly if they have uh, Daniels uh, ready to go. Uh, that'll be that'll be a challenge. So, but man, things are looking great halfway through the season and a perfectly timed off week for the Sooners after the huge win in the Cotton Bowl. Coming right back on the home of Sooner fans. Jesse Crittenden on the Riverwind Casino Hotline joining us. By the way, I've been derelict in my duty today. i got to tell you that we're happy to have Oklahoma Generator bringing you uh, hour number two here on Steel Man and Thune. They're family-owned and operated, tremendous customer service, and all the reviews. Oklahoma's highest-rated and longest-operating Generac dealer, currently offering new customer discounts and free 10-year warranties with new installations. Our thanks to Oklahoma Generator. Check them out online, okgen.com, or call 405-321-6631. Jesse, appreciate you joining us, as always. You were there down in the Cotton Bowl. What was your what was your number one takeaway, your biggest story uh, from that game? That I think everything that fans wanted when Brent Venables was hired, it came to fruition. That's what happened. That, that game on Saturday – there's no shortage of adjectives you could use to describe how incredible that performance was for Oklahoma on both sides of the ball, how gutsy it was. I mean, they took punches in the mouth. They gave, you know, punches of their own. And, I mean, I think you felt in some ways it looked like the game was slipping away. They had a 10-point lead, you know, starting early in that third quarter, but it felt like it was starting to slip away. But, you know, the OU defense holding Texas to a field goal, Dylan Gabriel delivering – uh, on that game-winning drive, it wasn't just that incredible touchdown. He was incredible that entire drive. I think it, I think it validated Dylan Gabriel's improvement that we've seen this year. It validated that the OU defense is real and much more improved uh, than a, you know than what we saw last season. And I think everything that that fans wanted a, a defensive identity, you know, the ability to you know to to win games by making big plays on defense, to have an identity of you know hard work and grit. That's that's all that happened, and all of a sudden, you know, Oklahoma six and zero, and you look forward. I don't know why you'd have any doubts about this team. Texas is a really good team, and Oklahoma went down and and won and and took that game from them. It was one of the most impressive OU performances I've seen in a long time. 
Okay, Jesse, I want your honest take because we've got varying opinions across the Knibble-Meyer Chevrolet text line and across the industry as we look back on this classic of a Red River showdown between Oklahoma and Texas. Do you feel that that game was as close as the scoreboard indicated? No, I actually thought it's it's funny you say that because I remember thinking midway through the fourth quarter, I remember thinking, man, if if Texas wins this game, I mean, there's going to be a lot of positives to take away. But I think if you're Oklahoma, you're going to be gut punched just because I, I think there were opportunities. Uh, you know, I think, you know, you've seen Texas fans. You've seen some of them kind of say the same thing that they didn't play very well and, and, and should have won that game. But I mean, I think if you're Oklahoma, uh, not only were there opportunities to really seize control of that game, but I mean, you even think of the, the the punt, you know, block that Texas had that they scored on. I think if you're either side of this, you could probably argue um, that you, you know, that there were opportunities to be had. But the the main thing for me was Oklahoma didn't get pushed around. They were the more physical team. They, you know, they were really good at both lines of scrimmage. And that's the reality of this game. You're not going to play perfectly, you know. And I think if Oklahoma had lost, you would have felt like this is a game they probably should have won. But the reality is both teams took punches. I think both teams are really, really good, and Oklahoma did enough on both sides of the ball to win. So, um, you know, I think you could probably say that Oklahoma, you know, could have avoided being in that situation, you know, at the end to have to do that game-winning drive. But the reality is that sometimes that's not how football works. And, both teams do things, and what mattered was Oklahoma sticking through it, getting through the, da- the ups and downs of that game and, and pulling it out. Yeah, what's amazing is um, all of a sudden we're thinking this year is kind of the year where, man, you've got to get some momentum going uh, for the SEC the next season. You've got a very workable schedule to go out and win 10 games or more. You know, and if you really play well, maybe you can go 11-1. and one. Maybe you – who knows what could happen. But the schedule is there, and you've got to get – you know, you need some positive momentum for making this huge conference move that you're making to the SEC. Well, not only have they done that, now they put themselves in the college football playoff conversation. Um, you know, and I know there's some comparisons to 2000. What do we now think of Oklahoma in the playoff conversation nationally? Clearly number five in the AP poll this week. Oh, that that pass is more than viable. That's that's kind of the craziness of this win on Saturday. It didn't just validate, I think, things from a you know from a big picture Brent Venables, the future of the program, um, you know, type of aspect. You look forward to this season. I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule. All of a sudden, you know, a, a tw- I mean, finishing the season undefeated is more than on the table. I, I think finishing ten and two is probably a worst case scenario. Now, obviously, you've got you know health and things like that and look it's not you know other you know maybe you know at kansas can be a tougher game than expected west virginia looks okay that you know that that bedlam game in Stillwater, it's going to be a really emotional game but the reality is yeah all of a sudden you win this game against texas you look forward the the past the big i mean the expectations are now i i think it's possible not to you know don't you know it's going to be hard not to overreact that can be possible but you look forward the, the Big 12 title game should absolutely be the goal, not only because uh, this team can do it, but that's that's the path that's there for them now. Texas was going to be the hardest team on their schedule this regular season. I know you came out with a gutsy win. You look forward, all of a sudden, I think the Big 12 title game is, is maybe the, the most general expectation. And I think if you can get to that Big 12 title game 
and and get a win against Texas, even if you have a loss. I think a one-loss Oklahoma Big 12 title, you know, a Big 12 champion, is more than in the discussion for a playoff first. So I, I know what Brent Venables is going to say to this team. They still have half of the season left to play. You know, there's still, you know, again, health is a thing. You know, you know, we've seen Oklahoma in the past drop a game that you don't expect them to drop. So there's a lot of football left to be played. But yeah, all of a sudden, the playoff is is not only a possibility. It's a there's a very good chance this team could end up there. Jesse, keep it a hundred here. You talked about this team's newfound identity under Brent Venables. Does having that identity in your mind? assuage some concerns about this team maybe coming out a little lackadaisical or a little flat after the bye week? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think if you're Oklahoma, I mean, I mean, if you're Oklahoma, this is this Texas win is huge, but it's just a starting point because you still got to go out there and you've still got to go out there and perform. You know, Oklahoma's going to be most likely a double-digit favorite in almost every game. And now all of a sudden this Oklahoma team has expectations on it. And I think that's where the identity comes from. I and mean, we've seen this Oklahoma defense play really, really well um, the first few weeks. But now I think there's going to be that expectation of, hey, you know, now you have the identity, not only go out there and prove it, but I think you can fall back on that. I think now there's a confidence um, in this team that, you know, the, the offense doesn't have to go out there and score 50 points. This defense can come out make big plays. I mean, again, three takeaways, um, you know, on Saturday. And I think you look at that Saturday game, I mean, it was or that game against Texas, everything we saw through the season showed up that game. I mean, they came into Saturday leading the country in interceptions. They got two more interceptions on Saturday. They came into the game uh, really good on third down, top 15 in third down defense. They held Texas to 5 of 14. They came in really good red zone defense. Texas scored on just one of their three red zone attempts. That identity is solid. Now it's about going out there and continuing to prove it. I think this team is going to be hungry. It should be hungry. This defense should be as competent as it's been in a very long time. Now you just got to go out there and prove it. What would your uh, celebrities on the sideline rankings be for the weekend? I mean, you had uh, clearly you had Baker, you had Matthew McConaughey, you had Trey Young, you had Lana Del Rey, which was kind of surprising. Uh, who were you most celebrity struck by? Parker Thune, maybe? <laughs> Well, Parker's always the number one answer. Um, and and the, the Lana Del Rey thing was really interesting. The, the, the Joe Castiglione Lana Del Rey picture should be, uh, should be on the Twitter Hall of Fame, I, I think. But, uh, you know, I think, oh, and this is probably an easy answer, but, 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 I mean, and Trey Young being there was really cool. But Baker Mayfield being there, being the, you know, being the guest picker on college game day, you know, when you think of the context of, of the 49 nothing loss last season, you know, OU goes five and zero through the first few weeks, but there was obviously some doubts. People looking, you know, people looking for for OU to, you know, everybody picked Texas to win. Nobody believed in Oklahoma, and I think for Baker to be there to be the one that uh, was kind, of, you know, firing up the crowd to, to be the one that you know that put full, you know, to put full trust and belief in Venables, it, it's pretty special. I mean, it really is, and even for him, you know, to you know for for Dylan Gabriel to you know, to, to mention that Baker called him, you know, the, the night before the game. You know, Baker's already an OU lore, and I think Saturday just uh, further solidified that. Okay, Jesse, last question for you here. I'm going to take Dylan Gabriel off the table because it's the obvious answer. But outside of Gabriel, who do you believe had the most impressive individual performance Saturday? Which individual performed such that you were like, okay, whoa, 
hello, this guy can play? Yeah, that's a good question. I think if you look offensively, I really do think it's – I mean, I mean, the offensive line was really, really good. I think Caden Green opened some eyes. But I think it's Tawi Walker. You look at the you look at how the you know the OU running back room did again. It was you know it was a pretty physical football game. The yards per carry uh, average was was not sky high. But I mean, Tawi Walker, I think, just continues to prove himself as a guy that is impossible to bring down one on one. He runs really hard. I, I think in a weird way, uh, he almost kind of you know he almost kind of personifies you know this this team under Brent Venables, hard nosed, physical hard worker. That's what Tawi Walker is. And we're through six weeks. Tawi Walker has been the best running back on this team, and it's not particularly close. He gets the two touchdowns and goal line situations against Saturday. Those two touchdowns were huge. And I think defensively, you know, Danny Stutzman was really great. Jacob Lacey had the big sack. You know, Gentry Williams with an interception and a fumble recovery. But I think it's it's Jaron Canick overall. And I know I know that you know, the confidence was already high in him and, and how, you know, and how he can play. Um, but he led the team with 13 tackles, had a sack, had a tackle for loss. Um, he played all but two snaps. I think that just solidified, again, you know, Jaron Kanick and, and Danny Stutzman as that linebacker duo in the middle, uh, you know, in the, in the middle of that defense. So I'll say Jaron Kanick. But I also want to shout out Ethan Downs, who had a really good game, played the fifth most snaps on the, on the team, you know, two sacks, two tackles for loss. I think he's been a guy that the fan base has been a little disappointed in at times, but he had a huge impact. So overall, I think it's hard to pick one. There were really good performances on both sides of the ball. Jesse, thank you. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Appreciate you guys having me on. All right, let's take a quick break right here. we got one more segment to go. We're going to get locked in coming up again at 2 o'clock. You guys are asking about Zion Kearney. Uh, is he visiting Texas A&M? They will get into that, I'm sure, during the top of the hour on Locked In. And, uh, man, any victory over Texas means good things for recruiting. You would think we'll get into that uh, when they get locked in at the top of the hour right here on The Ref. Keep it here. There's uh, Dylan Gabriel's new theme song, After Saturday Down in Dallas. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. All right. Uh, week 7 of the Big 12. Obviously, the Sooners, Texas, Baylor, and UCF are all off. West Virginia at Houston, Kansas at Oklahoma State at 2.30. Iowa State at Cincinnati. That's an 11 a.m. kick. BYU at TCU. K-State at Texas Tech. K-State, man. Oklahoma State wiped the floor with K-State on Friday. Normally, one of the best coach, team, coach teams week in, week out in college football, year in, year out, but they get smoked by Oklahoma State. The transitive property is not going to be kind to anybody that Oklahoma State beats this year. It's, yeah, Tech went down and beat Baylor. Baylor's not very good, though. But uh, interesting today at Mike Gundy's press conference, our friend Cade McFarland uh, tweeted this out, but he was asked about, you know, only having to play Oklahoma this year and not Texas, and how did you take notes on the game? Here's the exchange. The game, knowing that I don't, I don't have to, I'm not playing Texas. And I used to have to take notes on both teams, yeah. but I didn't have to take notes on Texas. I only had to take notes on OU. And they do have one note. Their quarterback's a hell of a player. I, did you all write that one down? That was an easy one. There you go. Little praise for Dylan Gabriel there. It's amazing uh, what a you know what a drive can do. Um, Dylan Gabriel has had you know some 
accuracy issues from time to time, but he's been a really good leader and a good, solid quarterback for Oklahoma. He's had some overthrows and some underthrows. He also has one of the greatest drives in the history of the Red River rivalry now with that that uh, – he was a surgeon, man. It was, uh, it was surgeon-like is what it was. And what a day for Sooner fans. All right, I know you guys will talk about the recruiting stuff coming up at the top of the yeah. hour. So – uh, what about the weekend itself for you? Were you, were you able to get any uh, any fun in after like after the game, or was it all work and no play? I mean, makes that, Parker that, that whole a dull game, boy. That whole game was fun. Steely. Yeah, that true. entire experience was fun. There was nothing about the weekend that wasn't. By the way, do you celebrate with an olipop? Yeah, crisp apple, baby. There you go. Seasonal yeah. flavor. There you go. Um, you know who deserves some props? Whose name we're not saying? Ted Roof. That's right. Ted, Ted Roof, Roof and the three-man front. Deserves a tip of the fedora. The album that they cut last year was not very good at all, but the album that they have going right now is Grammy. It's got a Grammy possibilities for Ted Roof and the three-man front. Recruiting impact. Huge. Well, I mean, you saw both Eddie Pierre-Louis and Michael Boganowski get fonged on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. There you go. Boganowski, man, it all turned Friday. And, I mean, you thought the Sooners were leading anyway. But yeah. when you see that Kansas State train wreck in Stillwater, and give Oklahoma State some credit, they came out and played well. Um, they used their off week very well. But um, two huge pickups. Grant Bricks. Feel good going up to see him this week. Feel real good. I mean, look, if this comes down to a business decision, Steely, you don't even have to account for bias here. If this comes down to a business decision right now, are you picking Oklahoma or are you picking Nebraska? How can you not want to play in a game like that? And uh, the Sooners, again, you know, I think what probably, well, you saw what happened last year, six and seven, they're going to the SEC. I mean, come on, really? Like I said, those people who've been making those comments don't know anything about Oklahoma football. There's no way that Oklahoma was going to go in and be not competitive in the SEC, period. Slick Sooner says, Ted Roof and the three-man front just recorded their Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a pet sounds maybe Zeppelin Four, Dark Side of the Moon. It is their magnum opus, was at least so far. Kevin from the 469 says, I've always been supportive of DG. Hey, that's DFG to you. Kevin he was not the reason we went six and seven but the doubters will remain doubters for fear of having to admit they were wrong they prefer they prefer to stay their course in hopes of being able to say I told you so idiots so uh so anyway yeah well I mean some people we'll see we'll see I mean some people are just like that they've been as long as I've been doing radio all the way back to the stone age there have been people who are just like that you know all right, let's get like one more in. Okay. Dink in Florida says next game being UCF is a blessing. DG will want to play well, and the team will have his back. I'm not worried about a letdown at all. I think that's an excellent point. Now, again, I think Brent and his staff are about as good a staff as you can have. I'm sure Nick Saban. Everybody preaches we can't do this, we can't do that. But we've heard Brent time and time again, one day at a time, every snap, you know, every everything you and everything you do. So – but I also think that's an excellent take that playing UCF will have some meaning, a lot of meaning to Dylan Gabriel. All right. One so- final text. 
from Jake in the 918. For the first time in a very long time, I wasn't biting my nails waiting for our defense to give up a big play in a close game. Lots of confidence in the defense. It's been a minute. Yeah, no doubt. All right, I uh, want to thank uh, Oklahoma Generator for sponsoring our second hour here on Steel Man and Thune. Get on out to Riverwind Casino today. Play with their wild card for uh, – earn one entry for every five points in your wild card today, including five times entries today and tomorrow for the 80K Friday Night Frights promotional drawing. Get out there and win your share of $80,000 in cash bonus play. At Riverwind, the drawings are on Friday night, clearly, for that great promotion. And we have another big show, ladies and gentlemen, at the Showplace Theater happening this Saturday night. Carly Pierce at the Showplace Theater. Big time show from Foreigner over the weekend. We have the Beats and Bites show coming up October 22nd outdoors with the Gin Blossoms and Tonic. And another big October show on the way with Rodney Carrington in November. Aaron Lewis, Flatland Cavalry, and Justin Moore, Lee Bryce, Ron White's Midland also coming to the Showplace Theater as well as Boys to Men. Have a great Monday.